Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. It appears Seska has been genetically altered. The Bob Seska Show. From a nation's capital, it is Tuesday, July 19, 2022, and this is the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello, Rachel. Day 548 of the Biden-Harris administration, 108 days until the 22 midterms. Find me on the Instagram at TheBobSeska, Twitter, BobSeska underscore go. Our Patreon is BobSeskaShow.com. And, of course, you can follow Buzz Burbank at Michael J. Elston on Twitter. And look, sitting right over there, he's here. When you say Buzz Burbank. Wait, what? You said it all. Hi. Uh, what do you mean the Secret Service deleted my jokes? <laughs> Oh, never never fear. I have backups. Those rat bastards. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Hi. Hi. Hi, Bob. Hi, everybody. He is Bob. I'm Buzz. And podcasting is our way of pretending we're self-employed. <laughs> uh, man, so much going on. Uh, New York Times reporters are busier than ever uh, these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, over at the Times, uh, quite a few of them are tied up moving Biden's stuff out of the White House. Oh, <laughs> my God. Oh, my God. Getting a head start. Uh, the, uh, the January 6th committee... Uh, says it can now corroborate Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony about Trump throwing ketchup at the wall. Yes. Uh, that's the uh, committee's top priority right now. What did the president throw and when did he throw it? <laughs> uh, Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon's trial started yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and I thought this was interesting. Instead of a Bible, he was sworn in on a bar of soap. <laughs> Uh, B- Bannon, uh, you may have heard, promised to go medieval uh, during this trial. Yeah. I-, I think that means he expects to spend a lot of time in a dungeon. <laughs> uh, I- interesting. This is It's so fascinating what Americans do and don't believe. Uh, about half of us believe in UFOs. <laughs> uh, 40% of us believe in ghosts. But only 6% believe in the Texas power grid. <laughs> That is one for the vault right there. <laughs> and remember Dick Cheney, of course. How yes, could you forget? Yes, yes. Uh, well, he says he's still doing well after his heart transplant 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people wonder what happened to his old heart. Turns out Joe Manchin has it. More fun, <laughs> more music, the Bob Seska Show. <laughs> All right, well, we really need this. Yes, especially yes, today. Would you like to hide that trunk in a padded room? Yes. Could we just decide to lock him away real soon? Mm-hmm. He could gloat and tweet and brag about inaugural size. Yeah. Tell him to the Department of Justice today. Truth, truth, essential. Oh <laughs> and, and don't forget this guy. Stephen K. Bannon. Stephen K. Bannon. Oh, shit. All right. Well, Rocky Mountain oh. Mike, uh, Mary and Ann Arbor in there, too. A one classic. of my I all-time faves. Yes, yeah, yes. I love that one. Good and job. So utterly appropriate for today, I think, because... Uh, I had a whole list of things that we were going to talk about today. Isn't this the way of doing podcasting or doing a political talk show or whatever oh, in the age of the fire hose of news? The ever, best laid ever, plans, yeah. Ever since Trump came down that escalator, we've been uh, you know spinning in circles ever since, and, and it continues uh, long after his presidency. Yeah. Um, uh, 
yeah, you mentioned, please repeat before we get into this, because I know you're not, not feeling too perky right now. <laughs> um, before we get into yeah. it, how many days, how many days did you say it is until the midterms? 108, if my wow. math is correct. And I think that's it little, is, little, yeah. A little over 90 days, a little over three months. So yep. that's how much time we have, everybody, to turn this around or face some really horrible kind. I'm, I'm ready to start asking people, what what plans are you making for for living in an autocracy? What what plans are you making for for living in an authoritarian oh, oh, state? I I have an answer. I, teacher, you? please call on me. I have yes, the answer. Uh, to that Bob, question. Bob, what's your answer? I'm planning on living with it in another country. Is what I'm ah, planning on doing. Uh, yeah, Kimberly and I, in all seriousness. I've been taking a hard look at places like yeah. Vancouver and Toronto and places north of the border. And I suspect, and this is, I mean, I'm not joking around when it comes to this. I mean, yeah. you know, the first people they come for are guys like you and me, Buzz. So the thing is, we have uh, been, you know, making tentative plans. Obviously, we're not at this place anywhere close yet. Uh -huh. But, I mean, the idea is, well, you know, if the shit hits the fan politically here and democracy dies and we have a, a dictatorship and they start rounding up dissidents, we're going to join that refugee crisis headed for Canada. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully, fingers crossed, I'll have some uh, Canadian friends sponsoring me or whatever it takes up there so we can get over the border. Yeah, I, th I may have a connection myself. I, I, you know, I, I hadn't thought that far ahead yet, but I uh -huh. do have, you're not the only one. That's what I want to say is you're not alone. You guys are not alone in this. Yeah. Uh, I, I know of a number of couples who have uh, discussed at various degrees of seriousness this uh, this very idea of, of leaving the country if it becomes a totalitarian state. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's essentially doing this podcast as kind of a pirate radio show, you know, right. outside right. the country, on the lamb, as it were, hitting the mattresses in uh, Canada to avoid uh, being black bagged and renditioned off to a, you know... <laughs> You'll Some be, other black site somewhere. and You'll be outside of the country instead of outside of the beltway. That's right. Yeah. Broadcasting <laughs> from outside the eight-lane death strip. <laughs> By the way, Robbie uh, Pickering on tomorrow's show. Ah, oh, so, I can't wait. I keep saying this. I said this last Tuesday. Robbie Pickering coming up on tomorrow's show, but it's, he's, he's really going to be here tomorrow. So Bob's, we're gonna... Bob's delusional. He's making this up. <laughs> I've uh, my cheese has slipped so far off my cracker. I'm just inventing <laughs> fake guests for the show. Guests, is what yeah. I'm doing. I'll, I'll be I'll be playing the part of Robbie Pickard. There you go. Uh, God, why did you spoil it? I thought they should know. Um, so anyway, but yeah, Robbie Pickering wanted... is from uh, the uh, miniseries Gaslit on Stars. Yes. He's the creator, executive producer of that amazing miniseries featuring Martha Mitchell and John Mitchell and John Dean and. Our favorite G. Gordon Liddy, our favorite maniac. Yes. <laughs> that's gonna be. I think that's gonna be the title of today's show. Our favorite My, maniac. That's. I like that. Yeah. I think yeah. it's probably. I think it's probably Robbie's favorite maniac as well. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. From but, the, but yeah, yeah. It's. We're very excited for the fact that he he has listened to, to the show and mm -hmm. he. You know, he's he's heard our stuff about Liddy and uh, I'm so I'm very excited to hear everything he has to say and I know he's doing a lot of interesting things so I can't wait to hear it. Well, would it shock you to learn, Buzz, that I have a uh, nuanced position on the leaked Garland memo broke. On uh, Rachel's show last night. Hello, Bob. I, hi, Rachel. I guess it, it depends on which way your nuance leans. Let's let's hear your take. I know a lot of people are freaking out about this today, yeah. and I want I want to address that too. But uh, go ahead. What vent? Okay, uh, let's set it up first. Those of you who missed Rachel's show and haven't quite been on social media yet today, uh, she attained a memo from May twenty five. From Merrick Garland to all DOJ prosecutors and employees, right. uh, essentially outlining the fact that, one, from that point forward, there will be no new investigations launched against political figures between that point and the midterms, and that is apparently ongoing DOJ procedure. And then there was an additional layer to this that kind of reaffirmed a memo written by Bill Barr in February of 2020 that said any investigation has to be cleared through the attorney general. Any investigation of, for example, Donald Trump would have to yeah. be cleared through the attorney general. And that was Bill Barr's memo from 2020. And Merrick Garland is now reaffirming that policy. So that's yes. essentially what we're talking about here. 
And here's the thing. Before I get into my position, uh-huh. here is former Senator Doug Jones. Remember, Doug Jones was a big yes, favorite to be attorney general when uh, right. the Joe Biden administration was first ramping up. Doug right. Jones was a, a senator for a period of time there. Yes. Uh, defeated Roy Moore in that uh, heated election, that very controversial right. election. Here's Doug Jones kind of calming people's nerves, explaining what this is and is not. So here's Doug Jones. This is a video he posted on Twitter. I believe it was last night. It says that no one should open an investigation for the purpose of affecting the election. Right. That doesn't mean that everybody that's out there gets a get out of jail free card if they simply declare themselves a candidate for president or anything else. That's not what that's saying. It's also not saying that ongoing investigations come to a halt. Mm, right. It's not saying that at all. Yeah. Right. The other thing it says simply is that if there is some thought of opening a new investigation, seek the attorney general's approval. That right. is standard practice, folks, if you're talking about a high government official, whether right. it is somebody in the cabinet, whether it's somebody in federal government, whether it's a governor. Uh, or a sitting statewide office that the federal government is investigating. Those always go up to the highest chain in a situation like this. And that's been the assumption all along, is that any investigation of someone like Donald Trump or any of Donald Trump's inner circle people, they would have to run that up the flagpole. I mean, I don't think this is uh, that great a surprise. Now, I say that, Buzz, while also I'm quite concerned about the timing of this. I'm I'm not concerned about the timing of the memo necessarily. I'm now concerned about the window in which an investigation can actually take place and be successful. Because if we're starting at the point, now, granted, as Doug Jones pointed out, there could be an investigation of Donald Trump already underway. It may have started prior to May 25. Mm -hmm. We don't know, we don't know yes or no whether it actually is, but that is entirely possible. There could be investigations, other investigations of political figures around Donald Trump that had started before the May 25th memo, and they would be allowed to continue going on. But if those investigations haven't started, if there isn't an open investigation against Donald Trump, it won't be allowed to start unless Merrick Garland made an exception and greenlit that investigation. It wouldn't be allowed to start until after the midterms. Now, what that leaves is a very narrow window of time from the midterms of 2022 on through late January of 2025. So you've got a span of a little more than two years in which to charge uh, and prosecute Donald Trump, who is notorious for his stalling tactics, for his delay tactics, suing everybody everywhere along the line to try to gum up the works. We've seen this over and over again. So what we're talking about here is an extremely limited period, you know, and I'm considering the fact that there's a chance somewhere around a 50-50 chance that Joe Biden doesn't get reelected. And it's some other Republican coming in in January 2025 who would both shut down any investigation of DOJ by replacing the attorney general, maybe replacing a bunch of U.S. attorneys, including the one in D.C., et cetera, or just outright pardoning Donald Trump. So that window is extraordinarily narrow. And if that investigation hasn't been launched into Donald Trump already, giving uh, DOJ a bit of a head start on this narrow window, Donald Trump could end up running out the clock. And that's what this memo and the timing of a a prosecution, that's why I am concerned about the resulting timing of the investigation. So that is my... That is my fuck me nuanced position. And I underscore fuck me because it's kind of a no-win position in the age of Rawr! Be my outrage! Gar! Yes. Garland, you bastard, you. And I, I'm interested to know where you are in this buzz. Uh, it you know, it is this age of outrage that uh allows every little thing to set any of us off, including yeah. myself. Uh, yeah. I, I like uh, you, like everybody, I get depressed over the state of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oh, me too. Uh, you know, uh, I understand the frustration. I understand what's happened before, you know, mm-hmm. what history 
we rely upon to make our judgments. Uh, but we are we are living on the edge in the sense that any little thing will set us off emotionally. Yeah. And uh, I'm a little bit mad at Rachel for hmm. uh, dropping this last night and causing this outrage on the internet yeah. when I agree completely with Doug Jones and I want to take some of his points even further. Sure. Before I do that, I want to just note here uh, about Donald Trump. Trump thinks this will protect him. It won't. Okay. We'll, gotcha. you know, okay? I mean, <clears throat> so it, it, what we what we know from that is he, he thinks he's covered. He's stupid. He's smart but stupid. <laughs> and he's stupid in the <laughs> right. sense... He's stupid in the sense that he thinks he's protected because of this. Mm -hmm. He's not. Let me explain why, and let me explain why I think we've created a big hubbub when maybe... I mean, it's always, of course, we should keep our eye on it, but I don't yeah. know that we should be going off like what I've seen on the internet this morning. Mm -hmm. um, this is a standard memo. Uh, every attorney general puts out this memo, or one very much like it, yep. that says... Uh, no investigations that uh, could affect the outcome of an election if there's any patina at all of doing it for political reasons. Uh, this does not say you can't prosecute a criminal just because they're running for office. It says you need to make sure that it doesn't look like or that it isn't because of uh, political reasons that you're mm -hmm. pursuing that case. Uh, so there's nothing new in, in that sense, in that part of Garland's memo. Uh, further, about the bar section, about reinforcing uh, Barr's memo, um, uh, which said you can't investigate someone who's running for president or any of their top campaign people. Uh, and and that is uh, without the approval of the attorney general. Right. Uh, and and uh, what's to say the attorney general wouldn't approve it, especially if an investigation is already well underway, which I, I believe it is and or will continue to be uh, going into that period of time. Yep. I'm not so much worried about uh, any windows closing here. I'm not worried about Trump truly being protected from prosecution just because he's a candidate. It is transparent to a judge and a jury that Trump is considering declaring early, thinking he can cash in on this memo. Yeah. And let me emphasize this this Garland memo doesn't refer to the 2024 election except the part about uh, Barr's memo. Yeah. But it, it, it applies this memo is about the 2022 election. This means this memo means between May 25th of this year and election day, uh, you can't uh, at least make public or you can't investigate someone to affect a political outcome. Uh, I, I think it's, I don't think that should ever stop us from prosecution. Because if someone has committed a crime, we can't just go, oh, oh, hands off, they're running for office, we can't <laughs> touch them. It, that's not true. That's simply not true. And uh, again, and I think you pointed this out, uh, there's nothing to say, either Doug Jones pointed it out, there's nothing to say Barr won't approve all of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. This is a standard memo. It applies specifically to 2022, except for reiterating the Bill Barr memo that says you can't investigate a presidential candidate without talking to me first. Mm -hmm. That's as it should be, just as Doug Jones says, for an office that high, for the highest office in the, in yeah. the land. Uh, yeah, that should probably should run that by somebody, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Just to, uh, to protect our government in the future. So I, I think there's too much panic about this. I'm, I'm a little disappointed in Rachel for setting this off. I mean, like I said, it's good to know things. It's good to have our radar up. But when I see the reaction that a thing like this causes, because we're all living on the edge, it, it disturbs me. Yeah. Uh, again, standard memo. 2022 only, except for the bar part, which leaves it to the attorney general. Investigations, I believe, are already underway, and certainly they will already have been underway by that time. You watch. Suddenly, Donald Trump's going to announce for uh, Florida governor. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Trying to get out there of this. Go. He's going. I'm going to challenge he, Ron DeSantis in the primary. <laughs> if he were running in this election, I would be concerned. But he's yeah. not. He's. Yeah. He's trying to he's trying to blend in with the crowd. He's like a wedding crasher here. He's trying to slip into the field of candidates. If I say I'm a candidate, then I'm going to be protected like all these other guys. Well, he's wrong about them, and he's wrong about himself. <laughs> exactly. So I don't think there was anything, as you say, I don't think there's anything in this memo that says Donald Trump can't be investigated right damn now. Right. Not necessarily. I think there's still an asterisk there. But, of course, 
this gets dropped when people are already at fever pitch when it comes to yes, Garland yes. Watch. My you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. like, yeah, that's the, the social media predisposition right now is mm-hmm. anything that says the name Garland and DOJ on it is suddenly like <laughs> that. I like the I like the difference in definition between the words skeptical and and pessimistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, skeptical, I'm sorry, skeptical and cynical. Yeah, uh, skepticism is good and healthy. You can look at something with a you know squinted eye and and examine it. Uh, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, cynical means you just believe everything's bad. You just you know you, there's no no good can come of this. Is is cynical. Uh, where a lot of our friends have slipped into that cynical category. That's not good. Yep. Skeptical is good. Paying attention is good. Being skeptical, looking with a, a skeptical eye is a good thing. But when we get to the point of cynicism or if our go-to becomes, oh, my God, the world is ending, uh, then, uh, you know, then we're in, we're in trouble as far as our perspective goes, yep. uh, despite the fact that the world is, in fact, ending. And, and yeah, uh, no one recognizes that the world is ending more than I do. See also yeah. my prior comments about fleeing to Canada <laughs> under threat yeah. of arrest or being renditioned to a black site. But, uh, and I recognize this and I could do a whole rant. I swear to God, I could do a whole rant right now in terms of uh, the fact that the United States is on a road to nowhere right now, or I should say a road to disaster. Yeah. And uh, I'm entirely cognizant of these facts. And I'm also cognizant of the urgency to prosecute Donald Trump for his crimes. Make no mistake. I'm not downplaying that. I'm not backpedaling on that. I do think timing is of the essence, obviously. If I had my druthers, the investigation would have started on January 7th and continued with a a furious rate from that point forward. Uh, But here's the thing that I think some of us have to bear in mind sometimes, which is that the reason why we have what is known popularly as the rule of law, we all talked about it for four years while Donald Trump was president. There's nothing more sacred in the American Republic than the rule of law. We have to adhere to the rule of law. And one of the reasons why we have this reliance upon the rule of law is because the alternative is, uh, for lack of a better term, mob justice. You know, I, sometimes, I know it's not very popular these days to do a West okay. Wing comparison, but one <laughs> of the reasons why uh, President Bartlett resigned from office as soon as his daughter was kidnapped by terrorists, uh, the reason he resigned is because he couldn't make rational decisions about pursuing the foreign policy implications of right. that, the law enforcement implications of that. He couldn't act dispassionately enough. Right. Any decision he made would be based uh, on his daughter. She would be a major consideration. Of exactly. Course. He was talking and, about and carpet bombing the Middle East in order to find his daughter, which he, is a, he knew, a bad way to go knew, about it. He knew that might not be in the best interest of the country. And yeah. so as a patriot, then this fictional character resigns. Uh, and uh, in a better world, uh, we'd see more of that kind of thing. So the reason why we have, ideally, an impartial Department of Justice, the reason why we have the rule of law, is so that our passions as citizens, and I assure you, I want Donald Trump to be locked, locked away, (laughs) that despicable, horrible baboon. Uh, I want him to be locked away so badly. I want all of his people in his inner circle to be locked away, not just for the insurrection, but all of the prior crimes. And uh, we have the right as citizens in a a nation with uh, freedom of speech to be able to say that to our attorney general, to be able to say that to our Department of Justice, to be able to say that to our president, and we all avail ourselves of that right. But at the same time, we have to bear in mind that what we would consider to be justice as citizens may not line up with the rule of law. And so we have to be believers in the rule of law when it's convenient and inconvenient. I'll have to return the tar and feathers to Home Depot then. Well, you know, there's also some other news regarding this that we got. And I, I sometimes news like this memo supersedes the previous news and we forget about the previous news. But just, I believe it was two days ago, the Justice Department is adding prosecutors and resources yes. to its investigation into the actions of former President Donald Trump's allies to overturn the 2020 election as the related congressional hearings have turbocharged interest in Mr. Trump's own role in that effort, unquote, the Wall Street Journal 
reports. Quote, yes, of all people. Yeah. yeah, oh my God. A Justice Department team focusing on elements of the investigation beyond the violence at the Capitol. That would be Donald Trump's stop the steal, big lie attempt to, you know, stage a coup. Uh, has in recent weeks been given more personnel, office space, and an expanded mandate. Yeah. So yeah. And as I, I remember, I, yeah. As yeah. I backed you up on Twitter uh, with this, uh, I pointed out, you know, investigators investigate, prosecutors prosecute. They've added prosecutors, not investigators. Yeah. They've added more prosecutors. Great point. This means they intend to keep prosecuting. And uh, I wanted to address uh, the uncertainty you mentioned earlier about uh, are there investigations of Trump underway? If not, will they be soon? Uh, I I think there will be very soon if it hasn't already started because. Even though the Justice Department did the uh, the the mob thing, the the mafia thing of working their way up from the bottom on these insurrectionists, and by the way, uh, one of them is looking at a 15-year sentence now, possibly, uh, which is a, a nice message to send the rest of them who have yet to stand trial. Uh, so, but what's happening now is they're getting to the leaders of the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys, and beginning to look at the connections they may have had. Uh, there, a lot of these guys are flipping. And the naming names, so the Justice Department probably already has the names, and you and I know them already, but yeah. the people who were at the Willard Hotel that evening coordinating between the Oath Keepers and the White House. I said months ago that this this would eventually, uh, the Oath Keepers would lead to the Willard Hotel, which would lead to the White House, and uh, bing, that's the ball game right there. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, And in addition to that, the uh, Justice Department is investigating the fake electors. Uh, who are also tied to the White House mm-hmm. and uh, and also tied to the Willard Hotel and also to a degree tied to the Oath Keepers. Everything the Justice Department has done to date or is doing to date all leads to Donald Trump. Yeah. Right now, there are five different charges on the table, potential charges against Donald Trump that he could be yes. prosecuted for. Conspiracy yeah. to defraud the government, right. obstructing an official proceeding, right. wire fraud, witness tampering, right. and inciting a rebellion. That last yep. one is the most serious of all I of them, so. from what I know as, as a non-legal expert. Uh, but that is what's on deck for Donald Trump, and it would be shocking I think it would shock the world if Merrick Garland and the DOJ said, ah, you know what, hmm, this would really screw up the ongoing continuity of president to president to president and the precedent of not investigating the previous mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. I would be shocked if that actually finally came about. I'm relatively confident that there will be a prosecution of Donald Trump by the Department of Justice. Whether that entails all five of those charges or anything that happened prior to that, that's an open question mark, but I think there will be a prosecution. Yeah, yeah, they they will prosecute if uh, Fonny, uh, the prosecutor in uh, Fulton County, Georgia, doesn't doesn't get to him soon. Mm -hmm. I started to say Wilson, so I stopped with her first name. (laughs) Fonny Willis. Uh, If she doesn't get to him first, and he's facing uh, equally serious charges there. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is, here's a reason to go on living. Uh, that would be the hearing Thursday night uh, of the January 6th committee. It'll be in prime time. It'll be live. Uh, we know that two uh, people high up in the Trump White House, uh, one of them a national security advisor, mm-hmm. will testify, as well as somebody from the press office, uh, a deputy uh, press secretary, I believe, uh, will be, uh, and they will they will uh, present to us also that evening uh, the missing texts, the erased texts from the Secret Service. And uh, they will also, uh, the the whole purpose of the Thursday evening hearing in the first place, which will be led by Adam Kinzinger, is to talk about what Trump didn't do during that. So it's going to be a jam-packed show. You're going to need two bowls of popcorn. <laughs> uh, right, right. It's, it, but, but that's a reason to go on living, and, and it supports uh, the idea that uh, Donald Trump is going to be prosecuted. As I said at the outset of these hearings, these hearings are going to leave it so that the Justice Department has no choice mm-hmm. but to prosecute Donald Trump. Yeah. And there may be more hearings in the future. This is the end of the first series, but I wouldn't be surprised if there are more hearings in August and September and maybe October as things continue to unfold, as the story, as details continue to come forward to confirm much of what we already knew. But the evidence is more important than just having a gut feeling that something's true. Right. Uh, I, yeah, I think, I, think we're, I think we're getting there. 
Yeah, and I want to say a thing or two about the concept of pushing our Democratic elected leaders, which in a general Mm -hmm. sense... I support that idea. Obviously, there have been many occasions where I have been critical of Democratic leadership or have been critical of a member of the Democratic caucus on the Hill or what have you. The other thing is, is I moderate that based on who is gettable with that kind of criticism, who responds to uh, social media outrage. The reason is, what I don't want to do is uh, be constantly creating this environment of of angst and rage and directing that at the Democrats, at Democratic leaders who are in the process of trying to get reelected right now or elected in the first place. And so I'm very careful, uh, shall we say, nuanced with who I pursue using my platform. Because what you don't want to do is go after Democratic leaders who will fucking ignore no matter how hard you scream. Right. And who don't historically respond to shit like that. And you can go Mm -hmm. back and you can do your research and figure out, well, this guy or this woman responded to uh, social media outrage and they changed their mind. Or this person completely ignored social media, has nothing to do with social media, and just pushed forward irrespective of that social media outrage. Because what you don't want to do is spread that idea throughout social media, this idea that Democrats are feckless and weak and they lack resolve or whatever the whatever the meme of the day is. What you don't want to do is reinforce that while pursuing someone who is not gettable. You want to make sure, what's the, the line in Glen Gary, Glenn Ross that uh, Al Pacino says? He says something to the effect of, never open your mouth unless you know what the shot is. And the shot has to be Someone who is gettable. If the person is not gettable, then all you're doing is undermining the broader democratic movement within a couple of months of a crucial, potentially democracy-ending midterm. So we have to be careful and, and surgically precise about who we go after with our rage and our lobbying and what have you on our big social media platforms. Does that make sense? I, I think and sort of, I, I maybe would understand it even more clearly if you could give me an example or well, do you, do if, you have someone in mind. Joe Manchin, as far as I'm concerned, is immovable. Joe Manchin right, on some of these right. issues will not change his mind on the filibuster, will not change his mind right. on what I've been referring to as human extinction, which is the climate crisis. He's not a guy who's necessarily gettable on some of these controversial uh, ideas that are circulating in the United States Senate right now. Right. So what we don't necessarily want to do is take uh, Joe Manchin's immovability and extrapolate that into why doesn't Joe Biden or Chuck Schumer or Nancy Pelosi or Steny Hoyer or Dick Durbin, why don't they do anything about Joe? Oh my God, they're so weak because they're not doing anything about Joe Manchin when in fact there is nothing they can do about Joe Manchin. He is immovable. And so the only result of pushing an immovable object is you're undermining the energy going into the midterms backing the democratic party, which we desperately need to do because you know, you know, the line, they're the last thing standing between us and fascist idiocracy. And that's a fact. Yeah. Uh, Joe Manchin is uh, to blame for a lot Mm. of the generalization of the democratic party. Yeah. Uh, It's Joe Manchin's fault that people target Nancy Pelosi for criticism and Chuck Schumer. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, the votes would be there were it not for Manchin. It, it's been so difficult to get through America's thick skull that Democrats do not have a Senate majority, as everybody keeps saying. Yep. Even responsible, allegedly responsible people have been saying Democrats control all three branches of government. Mm-hmm. We don't. Right. We don't. We don't control the Senate. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think we can win the Senate. I think that's a, something very doable for us this fall. Uh, especially with uh, voter motivation high. Yeah. Uh, and, and now we all we have to do is get out and actually vote. Uh, but uh, it, this this blame of the Democratic Party isn't because of Nancy Pelosi. It's because of Joe Manchin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, we've got to fix that by electing more senators and make Manchin irrelevant again. Yeah, exactly. And at the same time, if there are members of the Democratic caucus on the Hill or there are members of the Biden administration or Biden himself, 
yourself that you have evidence that that person has moved based on social media outrage, then continue to push. That's fine. If it works, it works. But if it right. doesn't work, all you're doing is shooting or, you know, shooting everyone in the foot. Yeah. What you should be doing, and this is a point is coming home to me more and more. I, I remembered an old saying uh, this past week that, that actually applies very well in this situation, I think. Mm -hmm. A poor workman blames his tools. Yeah, right. That's you a and, good point. You and, I, yeah. you and I and other people, we're the workmen. And when we're blaming our tools are our elected officials, and many of them are tools. <laughs> yes, but, are. but it's it. You know, you, you the the re ultimate responsibility falls on us. Mm -hmm. It's it's us. It's it, stop yelling at Mansion and yell at your fellow Democrats to get out and vote so that Mansion becomes irrelevant again. That's like right. Bob said, you're you're not going to move Joe Mansion. So the only alternative is to overcome him, mm -hmm. and the only way to do that is to get people. Use that energy to get people registered to vote, and we have the issues of abortion and gun violence yeah. uh, uh, as our biggest motivating factors right now. Uh, never mind the climate, which is ending, you know. But uh, the, the two big, the two things that seem to get voters, Democratic voters, most excited about going to the polls are protecting abortion rights and protecting the lives of children with better gun laws. Exactly, fucking right. Electoral mandates are a much stronger uh persuasive tool, I think, mm -hmm. when it comes to... Because every politician wants to be part of the bandwagon. Every politician wants to not create the wave, but jump on to the crest of the right. wave and ride yeah. that wave of public support for policy X, Y, or Z. So if you provide an electoral mandate for the Democratic Party to do an entire agenda of things, then the Democratic Party has a history of doing those things. You right, but I mean? we have to do our part and vote so that there are That's enough right. Democrats to do it. Yes. Again, we do not have a majority. I would, this, again, I think goes to the failure of teaching uh, government in schools. Uh, if people understood the numbers and understood the rules and how things work, they would know it's not Nancy Pelosi's fault or, or, or you know, Chuck Schumer's fault. They would know that it uh, that we're right now we're living in minority rule. I mean, uh, the minority has decided what the abortion policy will be in this country for everybody. How did the minority get that authority? Yeah. Well, we didn't vote. And I see people whining saying, don't tell me to vote harder. It hasn't worked so far. Well, you, you got to keep trying. A poor workman blames his tools. It's on us. It's on ourselves. It's us. Yes. It's, it's not Nancy Pelosi. It's not Joe Manchin. It's us. Creating a more perfect union is an ongoing process, as the great Barack Obama has said right. on many, many occasions. And he's absolutely right. It's not just one election. It's all elections, it's primary elections, it's state and local elections. That's how we improve the nation. It's not just a one-off. You don't just rally and build up the energy, vote once, and then go home. As Paula Poundstone said, it's not like, you know, it'd be like a, a parent saying, well, I didn't feed my kid today because I fed them yesterday. <laughs> It's like, well, no, right, right. that doesn't make any sense. You got to feed them every day. So right. that's the entire point. Okay. Yeah, you, you can't just check check a box and check out. You've got to <laughs> remain right. engaged. Absolutely. Okay, today's show is brought to you in part by our Patreon page. If you're pissed off at cable news and other very serious political analysts these days, Here's an outstanding way to support independent media, specifically this podcast. For just five bucks per month, you can support our Patreon page as we guide you through the madness and chaos of our politics. You're also going to get bonus content as a reward for your monthly support. We're talking about exclusive access to our Shadow Docket show recorded after the end credits on our Tuesday and Thursday shows. You also get access to the Patreon app where you can download the free show and our bonus content. Plus, you can join the discussion with our community of Patreon members in the comments under each show. All of that for just $5 per month. One, two, three, four, five, $5 per month. That's just pennies per show. Don't miss out. Again, that's bobseskashow.com. Bookmark it. Send it to all your friends. And we thank you. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Bob Seska. the sunlight the circle of life what do we all live for what's the meaning of life this is a uh, feed your wolves don't waste a, a song called what do we all live for it's lead track off of their EP, Without You, FeedYourWolves.com. And I say they, it's it's one guy. One guy in England recording all of this. One of our faves here. One of the wow. best. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a great, great song. Lots of uh, positive comments. We w- rolled this out on the uh, Friday after party, and everyone loves this track. Again, FeedYourWolves.com. Yes, absolutely. Uh, BobSuska.com slash music to submit your work to the show. All right, uh, one of our uh, least favorite people in the whole world, Ronnie Jackson. Ah, yes. (laughs) I tend to forget that he's now Congressman Ronnie Jackson. But he is. Somehow he got elected to Congress, which is uh, disturbing and upsetting. But Somehow he got through med school. Yeah. Even, yeah. Oh, my God. How did that happen? (laughs) It's it's shocking and amazing. Uh, Forgive me if you've heard this joke before, but you know what they call the guy who uh, has the lowest score in in med school? Uh, Doctor. Uh, (laughs) That's right. Yeah, I think this was Ronnie Jackson's year. Or Carlin uh, used to have a joke where he would say, uh, somewhere out there is a, a doctor who graduated last in his class, the worst doctor in the entire country, right. and he's getting ready to see a patient right now. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's funny. True. And that's Ronnie Jackson. Ronnie Jackson has uh, now produced a, uh, looks like a homemade camera phone video in which he joins the chorus of Republican candidates and incumbents uh, showing off their firearms and threatening to shoot people who disagree with him, mm-hmm. threatening to shoot policies. We've seen this. We've seen Eric Greitens and, and other guys right. using firearms in their campaign ads and saying, well, here's what we're going to do to you Democrats. If you stand in our way, we're going to shoot you. Or in the case of uh, Greitens, he was shooting at rhinos. He was shooting at other Republicans, for God's right. sake. So, uh, drunk Ronnie Jackson made a video. Here's Ronnie Jackson's video in which he threatens to shoot the president. Hey, everybody, this is Congressman Ronnie Jackson from the great state of Texas. I have a message for the Biden administration. If you're thinking about taking our ARs, you can start here in Texas. On behalf of all the law-abiding gun owners in the state of Texas, I just want to say, come and get it. Ronnie Jackson, ladies and gentlemen. Proof that booze and guns don't mix. Right. I think that video dropped the same day as uh, the latest mass shooting. Right. Perfectly timed. Only a guy who was uh, schnockered on, uh, I don't know, he drinks like Ripple out of a paper bag or something like that. I don't know what the hell he drinks, but uh, yeah, he released this video on the worst possible day. We wonder why, and Buzz, you and I have been talking about this for a long time. We wonder why a lot of these people think that, well, you know, in order to pursue your politics, you got to shoot your way out of the problem. Right. I wonder why that happens. I wonder why people believe they and, need to use firearms to solve problems. Maybe it's because the Republican politicians saying it's okay. Maybe it's that. And as as dumb as Ronnie Jackson is, somebody dumber sees that ad and goes, yeah, yeah, and and loads up his gun and and That's heads right. out. I mean, yeah. uh, this is fomenting violence, even if it isn't a direct threat. You know, they always keep it vague, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, it it certainly inspires 
uh, an attitude of violence across the country. I I worry very much. Again, uh, what are your plans for after the Civil War? <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, even if it doesn't inspire someone right now, today, or yesterday, or the day before, it legitimizes it as a stopgap measure, as something right. that is possible at some point in the future. So, well, you know yeah. what? If shit hits the fan and you know there's an assault weapons ban or further gun control legislation, which, by the way, it's not going to happen anytime soon. We got our, our one chance uh, this time around after Uvalde and Buffalo. And beyond that, I don't know what else is going to happen from this point forward. But right. and, if, yeah. if yeah, if something happens, if another law is passed, let's say they resurrect the assault weapons ban then all of these guys are gonna say well you know look they all said it's okay member of congress ronnie jackson drunk ronnie ja- doesn't matter if he's drunk mm-hmm. he said it's it's fine to do it so at that point in time maybe that's when the message is then uh, triggering action sparking actual gun violence in well, the name of pursuing politics against what I, what, whatever yeah. they hate. Yeah. In, in, in blue states, yeah. And that's what we see happening with abortion laws and with gun laws right now. The country is beginning to geographically divide. Yep, yep, absolutely. And Red states and blue states. Red states where you can't get an abortion, but you can get a gun. And blue states where you can get uh, both, actually, but hopefully... Uh, the guns will be eliminated. Yeah, yeah. I saw an editorial, and I'm blanking now on whether it was in the Washington Post, New York Times, maybe. Yeah. They were talking about how um, there are professionals, you know, uh, experts at things, scientists, uh, you know, people who have uh, significant uh, academic expertise and who are ensconced in professional pursuits along those lines, uh, also young people and so on, that they're going to be abandoning (laughs) They're going to be abandoning all of these gulag states, all these red states where uh, abortion has been banned and women are going to be forced to give birth in many circumstances. Increasing the geographical divide, yes. Yeah, exactly. And so there are lots of unforeseen economic and societal ramifications of this legislation. And I assure you, when the shit starts to hit the fan economically in some of these locations that have decided to prioritize a clump of cells over their own state economies, over women who uh, live there and so on, uh, they're going to then blame the Democrats for their economic plight, I assure you. And uh, meantime, speaking of this, there is a bill in... North Carolina and the North Carolina legislature that's in the process of being introduced that would make it legal, legal to murder someone who is seeking an abortion in order to defend the fetus. It's basically a stand your ground law in defense of fetuses. Yeah. Yeah. Because the fetus can't defend itself then it's okay for you to defend the fetus at the point of a gun. So here's the key uh, paragraph from this uh, piece of legislation in fucking North Carolina. It's a matter of indisputable scientific fact that a distinct and separate human life begins at the moment of fertilization. As such, the new human life is recognized by the state as an individual person entitled to the protection of the laws of this state from the moment of fertilization until the moment of natural death. Any person who willfully seeks to destroy the life of another person by any means at any stage of life or succeeds in doing so shall be held accountable for attempted murder for f- or for first degree murder, respectively. What is this? What is this unborn person's social security number? Yeah, I know. Well, well how will this unborn person pay their taxes? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, staggering when do, you start do, to investigate. Can, yeah. can the unborn vote? <laughs> I, didn't we see the story last week about a woman who was in an HOV lane? Yes, a yes, pregnant woman yes. who was in an HOV. Yeah. She got pulled over and ticketed. She's like, well, there are two people here, obviously. you got this fetal personhood thing. This is a person inside me, so My two people. has rights. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, sorry. It, it, it mystifies me how uh, North Carolina is farther south than South Carolina in, in ideology. <laughs> uh, it's, it's more south in the north than it is in the south when it yeah. comes to the Carolinas. Oh, yeah. Well, this uh, continues. Here's the pertinent part. Any person has the right to defend his or her own life or the life of another person even by the use of deadly force, if necessary, from willful destruction by another person. The state, They're serious yeah, about this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is 1,000% serious. I wouldn't be surprised if it actually got passed, although I think 
uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the governor of North Carolina is a Democrat. Mm-hmm. So veto it, yeah. Yeah, who would veto it? Therefore, this is just posturing or so, a wish list the, item for another time. Yeah. The red legislature could then override the veto. So uh, that's yeah, possible. It's, it's, yeah. It is to be taken seriously. This is a real bill. Uh, they're serious about this. People need to know. Your fellow Democratic voters who aren't very enthusiastic right now need to know that this is serious and real and not just something we made up in a delirium. Well, the governor is Roy Cooper. He's a Democrat. The Senate and the House are both controlled by Republicans. So right. it's a mixed government, but Republicans control a hell of a lot of seats. So, yeah. And could very likely override a gubernatorial veto. Yeah. That's exactly right. So, yeah, that's not that's not good news. And once again, you know, rights hinging on one guy in one election. If suddenly uh, Roy Cooper... Uh, loses the governor's mansion there, then uh, then that's it. They can pass shit like this, which is right. kind of terrifying. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> more good news coming from the gulag states. And by the way, we got to talk about this for a second, Buzz. We okay. covered this a little bit on the after party on Friday, but it bears repeating for our uh, free show audience. This is the craziest goddamn talking point I've ever heard in my, my life. I'll just set it up at that. There was a hearing in the House of Representatives. Eric Swalwell was questioning an anti-abortion activist uh-huh. whose name escapes me right now. It is Catherine Glenn Foster. She's from okay. the Americans United for Life. Right. And the topic came up about... 10-year-old rape victims who uh-huh. become pregnant and should they have an abortion. And this uh, woman, Catherine Glenn Foster, was asked by Eric Swalwell to, uh, to comment on that. And in her response, well, I just, I'm going to play it. I'm just going to play the response because it is absolutely baffling what the fuck this is. Thank you. Ms. Foster, you think a 10-year-old would choose to carry? Um, uh, in, in the 10-year-old case, first of all, the Ohio... You know, my, my question is, would a 10-year-old choose to carry a baby? In the Ohio case, the, uh, the Ohio you, Attorney would a, would a General said that choose, abortion no, no, would have been justified. Focus on the question, please. Would a 10-year-old choose to carry a baby? Um, I, I, I cannot. Do you think a 10-year-old should choose to carry a baby? I, I believe it would probably impact her, her life. And so, therefore, it would fall under any exception and would not be an abortion. <laughs> Wait. What? It would not be an abortion if a 10-year-old with her parents made the decision not to have a baby that was the result of a rape? If a 10-year-old became pregnant as a result of rape and it was uh, threatening her life, then that's not an abortion. So it would not fall under any abortion restriction in our nation. Ms. Harbolo, um, are you familiar with disinformation? Okay, now he's asking uh, another panelist who is going to, uh, ah, okay. <laughs> going to disagree with uh, uh, Catherine Glenn Foster here. Uh, yes, I am. Did you just hear some disinformation? Uh, yes, I heard some very significant disinformation. Why don't you tell me about uh, that? Yes, an, an abortion is a procedure. It's a medical procedure um, that individuals undergo for a wide range of circumstances, um, including uh, because they have been sexually assaulted, uh, raped in the case of the 10-year-old. Um, it doesn't matter whether or not um, there is a statutory exemption. It is still a medical procedure that is understood to be an abortion. Right. Uh, beyond that, I think it's also important to note that there is no exception. Um, for the life or the health of the mother in the Ohio law. That's why that 10-year-old had to cross state lines in order to receive an abortion. There you go. Yeah, that is yeah. the most baffling talking point I've ever heard. An abortion, it, it oh, God, that's not an abortion because it's a 10-year-old. It's the same procedure, but we're not... I think the way Kimberly explained it is they're calling it, they're referring to abortions in those cases as procedures to try to avoid... I, I don't know what the right. fuck they're thinking. I, I would call that the Republican exception. Uh, and note, note <laughs> yeah. that she said in in her word salad there, one of the things she said was uh, if, if the 10-year-old uh, had been raped and if the pregnancy threatened her life, what, you're telling me that she has to be raped and have her life threatened in order to qualify right. for a Republican abortion? Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the sort of madness we're dealing with, and this is very real. And it's, I, I don't know, is it hard to convey this to people because it sounds so bizarre? It sounds like it's not real? I, I don't know what the problem is, but these are the kinds of messages that we, uh, the people listening to us and you and I and, and our friends who are like-minded need to focus on 
telling other Democrats, especially those who are less motivated to vote, uh, because voting is the only, it's our only recourse. It's on us, yep. and it's our, our only recourse. Uh, this, If these horrifying stories... Uh, including the one about you can kill somebody who's thinking who's thinking about having an abortion to, to protect the life of the fetus. I don't know that that's going to work. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, these are very real things. Yep. These are not horror stories that we're making up to scare people. Uh, we're, we're if we're using fear here, it's reality based fear. But maybe what they're doing is inadvertently opening up an exception that could apply to literally every single pregnancy, which is that, and this goes back to something that Leah Torres, Dr. Leah Torres has said on this show on several occasions, which is that pregnancy is a potentially deadly medical condition. No matter who the person is or what right. their age is or what their physical stature is, it doesn't matter. If you are pregnant, that is a potentially deadly medical condition. And if that is then made to be the standard, then that could be the exception across the board. Yeah. They may have just opened up a giant loophole in the anti-abortion laws. Well, we can certainly use loopholes at this point, yeah. but I hope we can do better than, than just loopholes. Right, right. Well, uh, there's uh, something else that is uh, a little bit shocking on this front, and it involves tracking data from Google. We're going to talk about that and a little more here before we wrap up our uh, Tuesday show. Back after these words. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Bob Seska plays more music. Another single from uh, the great Elijah Bone, one of our favorites here on the show. Yeah, this is a song called And So They Say. Yeah, I got a link in the description to support Elijah Bone. Oh my God, so much great music coming from these guys. Hi, Dave Barrett. Yeah, uh, bobseska.com slash music to submit. As always, please do so. All right, uh, the Gulag states have sent, oh, holy shit. These are the, the these are the guys who are screaming about mask mandates, right? And they have sent fifty seven hundred demands for tracking data from Google. Yeah, remember the outrage about HIPAA? Yeah, everybody remember the the Medical Privacy Act HIPAA? Yep. They were all the ranting about that we've heard. Well, that's out the window. Exactly. Many of the states rushing to ban abortion are also the biggest users of surveillance uh, that authorities could use to track women ending their pregnancies, the location data from people's phones. Figures from Google, one of the most prolific collectors of location data, uh, show that the company received 
5,764 geofence warrants between 2018 and 2020 from police in the 10 states that have banned abortion as of July 5. These warrants demand GPS data showing which mobile devices were present in a specified area during a particular time period and can help investigate individuals who were present at crime scenes or other locations of interest. I don't know. I I don't see this interstate travel aspect uh, sticking to the wall. I don't see it passing through uh, successfully all the courts and getting approved. No. I don't. I don't. I mean, the Supreme Court not yet is kind of a question mark. <laughs> yeah, and I'm yeah. as I'm saying that I'm going. Ah, shit. The Supreme Court. I forgot about those guys. Yeah. Direction we're headed, maybe someday. Yeah. <laughs> and I, anecdotally, I, I was reading on Twitter a woman said she was heading across the state line with her daughter for no related reason whatsoever yeah, uh, yeah, and got stopped by a state trooper near the border, near mm-hmm. the state border. And she said, you know, I don't have any way of knowing that uh, this is why he stopped us, but he stopped us and asked us, where are you going? <laughs> Christ. So it's, it, it, it's not that hard to, it's not that big a leap to make. And although we're not at the uh, uh, successfully passing laws to regulate interstate travel at this point, in the authoritarian, totalitarian direction that we're headed, it could happen. Yeah, remember the papers, please laws that were going around. I think there was one in Arizona where they Show were your papers, yeah. profiling anyone who looked vaguely Mexican, right. uh, having them pull over and demand. It was basically like the old uh, Jim Crow era law against vagrancy, where many states had this law against vagrancy, right. where if you were just walking down the sidewalk. And I should emphasize the fact, if you were a black guy walking down the sidewalk, uh, some cracker sheriff could pull up and say, hey, do you have proof of employment? And Mm -hmm. if you say no, then that sheriff can arrest you and uh, push you through a Play-Doh factory kangaroo court and end up, you know, disappearing you into what's referred to or what was referred to as neo-slavery, some backwoods coal mine or farm or something like that. And so uh, so in that sense, you'd be lost forever. Yeah. Yeah, it's true, and in that sense, uh, we've already been there. We've, mm-hmm. we've exactly. That's the point. We've done it before. We could do yeah. it again. It could be worse, especially in the atmosphere in which we find ourselves. I hope. I hope. I like to think that Google uh, may actually turn them down. May not participate uh, in this. That's again, my hope. I don't know. If, I don't know how they're going to turn out. All of this scary stuff. Are these the things that will be, or the things that might be? Yeah. It's up to us. Right. It's not Nancy Pelosi. It's not Joe Manchin. Mm-hmm. It's up to us, and we have a little over three months to get it done. Right. And Nancy Pelosi and Joe Manchin have no bearing whatsoever on state government either. And I think maybe some of us lose sight of that. The, the yeah. shit is really here hitting the fan at the state government level, and that's where we need to maintain uh, a significant portion of our focus, and I just, I don't see it happening yet. Uh, Meantime, this... This Texas anti-abortion lawyer is targeting anti-HIV drug access right now. Sure. Further evidence that they're expanding their uh, authoritarian reach beyond just abortion rights. Jonathan Mitchell, he's the former solicitor general who helped write Senate Bill 8, the restrictive abortion law. John Mitchell. (laughs) It's exactly right. Or as soon as I saw that, I thought Mitchell, the uh, that uh, Joe Don Baker movie from Mystery Science Theater. Mitchell. And uh, he opened a private law firm in Texas in 2018 to go after decades of the high court's rulings, according to the Dallas Morning News. Since the beginning of his career, Mitchell has been vocal about his desire to dismantle decades of decisions he believes depart from the Constitution's language or recognize constitutional rights that do not have a textual foundation. So he's one of these strict constructionists. The, he follow, has to follow the letter of the Constitution and no interpretations beyond that. So but, he favors slavery then. Yeah. Well, he's also set his sights now on Descovoy and Truvada. They're two medications that help prevent HIV mm-hmm. transmission when taken as PrEP or pre-exposure prophylaxis. That's just a preventative. You take these things to prevent right. yourself from getting HIV. He says they encourage homosexual behavior. Yes, he does. And that's what the lawsuit has stated. So they're going after There was a time not too long ago I thought, oh, surely Republicans don't really want to kill us. I heard Mm -hmm. people say, oh, the Republicans are trying to kill us. I thought, well, that seems kind of extreme. Look at what they did with COVID. 
Yeah. Look look at what they've done with abortion, and now look at what they want to do to gays. That's incredible. They want, them, they want us all to die. Look yeah. at their inaction on gun violence. They want the children to die. Yep. So they're, they're, they want the women, children, and gays to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and everybody to die from from a deadly uh, virus, and, yeah. and they continue to lurk. Uh, Monkeypox is now out of control. Uh, while that's happening, uh, out of the, the out of the east, out of the far east, uh, the Marburg virus. Look that one up. Oh, great! Uh, that's it, it, it. This is the age we live in, and because we live in an age of disinformation, uh, our chances, and based on our recent history, our chances of fighting this stuff. Seems pretty nil, unless we turn things around. What the fuck is the Marburg virus? I haven't heard I, I, anything I, I, about I, it. I've, I've only read the headlines about its emergence, about the, you know, but you know, we're not, you know, we're not out of the COVID thing. Oh, uh, Monkeypox is spinning out of control. And uh, now Sanders is saying, uh, you know, you better watch out for this Marburg virus. Mm. That's coming. I, I'll have to do more research on it, but it's real and it's out there and there's concern about it. And uh, we're still dealing with uh, COVID and monkeypox. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, hey, happy and Tuesday. Let me let me cheer you up with this. Uh, sometime this week, President Biden is expected to declare a national climate emergency because of climate change. Uh, hopefully this will allow him to do some things that he hasn't been able to do before. But ladies and gentlemen, we've reached the declaring a national emergency over the climate part of our story. Did you see the video out of my former hometown of Kona, Hawaii, on the Big Island. I don't think so. <clears throat> There's a video going around uh, social media yesterday, I believe, and it was uh, a series of rogue waves smashing okay. into the Kona surf condos, which was you know, like a, a couple of blocks from where I used to live in, in wow. Kona, Hawaii. And the waves were crashing over the tops of the two, three, two or three-story buildings. I mean, I've never seen anything like that. I certainly haven't seen anything like that uh, when I lived in Hawaii. I mean, there were periods of time in the late winter, early spring when you'd get uh, high winds out at sea and they would create very large waves that I would see crashing at certain points on the uh, Big Island. But this part of the Big Island never sees those kinds of waves. And the first wave they show crashes into a wedding that's on a lawn right at the coastline. There's a little tiny seawall. Of course, it hits the seawall. The wave crashes, explodes, and then floods out the wedding area as people flee. And then the next clip of the video shows another wave that we couldn't necessarily see as it was approaching. But when it hit the shore, it was so large that it crashed over the tops, like over the roofs of the building. Wow. Oh my God, I've never seen anything like that. And the only thing I can, yeah, I I sometimes don't get alarmed at at videos like this because I I figure, well, is there some other explanation for it? I don't know, I'll have to investigate. But this one is like, holy shit, that is is the climate crisis. That is rising sea levels causing that kind of shit. Yeah, well, talk to the people in Wichita, Kansas, who see 106 degrees today, or the people people in England, England, for crying out loud, who see temperatures today of 107 degrees. And only, what is it? 8%, 8%, only 8% of people living in England actually have air conditioning. Right, and their, their rail system is screwed up because it wasn't built to handle heat, so uh, rails are going to start snapping. Oh, fuck, man. So don't look begins. up. Just just don't look up, and then it won't be happening, right? We go, la, I, la, la, I, not I, happening. I, in fact, let, let's modify that. Let's just say, don't look. <laughs> All right, Shadow Knocking up next, BobSeskaShow.com, $5 a month. See you over there, folks. Bye-bye.